Come on, are you glad heaven came down? Amen. Amen. So before we get started, I just want to give a big shout out to this worship team who filled in in my wife's absence, so let them know that you appreciate what they did this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, any Christmas people in the house? Y'all love Christmas? Who loves Christmas? There's not one of you that loves Christmas like my wife loves Christmas. And uh, so she's not happy that she was unable to be here today. Um, so y'all pray for her. We want her to feel better so she can come to the party tonight. Will y'all help me pray to that end? I appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you for being here on this rainy, drizzly, dreary Sunday morning. But listen, people that love Jesus show up when it's raining. I love you too. I'm just saying. Anyway, God bless y'all for being here. So this is week two in our Advent series. I'm just going to tell you, this volume that you got right here, it's, that's it, all right? Unless, you know, the Holy Ghost gets involved and I get loud, you'll know it's him. How about that? Is that all right? So week two of Advent, and that, that term Advent holds so much. It, it really is three things. Advent is what... People hundreds and thousands of years ago, as they're waiting for their promised Messiah, Advent to them was Jesus is coming. And they waited and waited and waited with that truth that Jesus is coming. For us, having experienced life on this side of Calvary, on this side of the resurrection, on this side of the cross, we can say Jesus is here. And how many know that he is here among us? But it doesn't stop there. Because the same prophecies that told us that Jesus was coming tell us that Jesus is coming again. So when we celebrate this Christmas season, we don't just celebrate a baby in a manger. We don't just celebrate the fact that he showed up 2,000 years ago. We celebrate that he's here among us. And one day, oh, very soon, he's coming again. And I hope, I hope, I hope that you're ready to meet him. See, honestly, every sermon we preach, every Sunday school class that we teach, every discipleship effort that we have is really to that aim to make sure that you and I are ready to meet him when he comes again. I hope that you are. And here's the good news. If you aren't, you can be. You can be ready. Last week we talked about, uh, you know, in, in an Advent series, we, we, we talk about the same four things every time we do one. And we've done maybe eight or ten in our history we talk about the same things. Hope, love, joy, peace. Hope, love, joy, peace. Say it with me. Hope, love, joy, peace. Last week we talked about hope. And it's not some fleeting, I hope it doesn't rain. That doesn't work, does it? I hope I get a raise. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. It's a, I, I read it to you last week. Let me read it to you. I, hope is a confident expectation. An expectation, a confident expectation that God will be faithful to his word and that he is working out all things for his glory and my good. Do you believe that? 
Hope is a firm foundation for my life. Listen, and a promise for my eternal destiny. How many know God's got a plan for your life? Matthew Robertson read it this morning. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He has a promise for your eternal destiny. That's what, that's what we base our hope in, not in our economy, not in our government. Oh, Lord, help us all. If that's where, is that where your hope is, that's my hope. Is, old-timers, you'll remember this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So if last week was hope, and we talk about hope, love, joy, peace, today we talk about love came down. I want you to hear this from my heart. Um, I have a lot of friends who are preachers. I have some, some friends who are incredible communicators and wonderful pastors. And I think that my friends who are pastors and preachers would agree with this statement that I'm getting ready to make. I think it's pretty arrogant for a preacher, a pastor, a teacher to stand on the stage and say, and say, today in the next 40 minutes, I'm going to tell you all about the love of God. That'd be pretty arrogant. Because in a lifetime of Sundays, if all we talked about was the love of God, we still couldn't encompass just how wide and deep is the love of God. So I want to go on record and tell you that I'll, I'll not even come close this morning to being able to describe just how powerful his love is for you. And sometimes in an effort to describe God's love, um, we make horrible mistakes. I, I heard one sermon not too terribly long ago, and I, and I suppose the, the man's motives were, were pure, but he made this statement that that unless you know Jesus, that God's love is reserved only for those who know Jesus, that if you don't know Jesus, he can only see you through eyes of judgment and not through eyes of love. And I said, in my heart as I'm listening to this, I had to respectfully disagree. Because if God can only see you through eyes of judgment, what do you do with this verse? For God so loved the world that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What do you do with those two verses? For God so loved the world that he gave. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm going to tell you that God loves you. Regardless of where you find yourself this morning, God is passionately and enthusiastically in love with you. But I will also tell you that the only way to truly experience the love that God has for you is in a relationship with his son, Jesus. I hope that you know him this morning. And over the next few minutes, I want to do my best to just talk to you about some beautiful parts about God's love. And, and, and if, if, if God's love was one of Connie Johnson's beautiful peanut butter cakes, <laughs> what I'm going to give you today is just a thin slice. Right? I mean, no, it is okay to equate love in a peanut butter cake. Come on, somebody. First thing I want you to, I want you to, I want you to hear this quote. One of my favorite authors is a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. And if you don't read C.S. Lewis, 
you ought to. He's a theologian, author, and, and, and just some incredible, incredible truths in his writings. And I think Mikey even shared this, this quote with you once before. But C.S. Lewis is trying to define love for us, and here's what he said. Love is not affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. In other words, if I love you, it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? How many know that to be true? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the warm fuzzies, but how many know that doesn't last forever? If I love you, then what I want for you is the ultimate good, even if it's painful, Sometimes we have to do, you ever, ever heard the expression tough love? That doesn't mean it's not love. It means it's, it, might, it might be painful. But if what I want for you is God's ultimate good, then sometimes it doesn't feel warm and fuzzy. And we've, Mikey's read that. I've read that. But I, I thought, what, how does that look from God's perspective? Does God, it, does God want for us the ultimate good? And, and the, the answer is, of course, yes. But how does that, how does that manifest? How do, how, does that, how do we describe this love that God, our Heavenly Father, through His Son Jesus, has for His children for our, our ultimate good? That's what we're going to talk about today. Number one, write this down. The love of Christmas. The love that came down with the Christ child is an unchanging love. <laughs> I've asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. Is there somebody in your life who used to love you and now does not? Said the word, I love you, but would not say it today. God can't do that. The theological term is that God is immutable, immutable. That won't be on the test. You don't have to write it down. It simply means this. God does not have the capacity to change. If you're perfect and you change, now you are imperfect. God's love for you is perfect, and it can't change. He's not going to change. Man, um, some of y'all are Facebook people. Some of y'all are not. Some of y'all are kind of in the, in the middle, like I am. We don't spend a whole lot of time on that, but every once in a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm opening it up yesterday, and this thing flashed. It was a memory from 11 years ago. 11 years ago. 2012. And it was a picture where it looked like me and Don and the boys had been at some Christmas gathering, and we stood in front of our fireplace and, and had a picture made. It was me, Donna, Mikey, and Matthew. Me, Donna, Mikey, Matthew, 11 years ago. Guess who wasn't in that picture 11 years ago? There wasn't a beautiful Kelly in, those, in that picture. There wasn't beautiful Tylee. There wasn't Harbor. And there wasn't this blessing that's on its way any moment now. A lot happens. A lot changes in our lives. How many know that to be true? Yeah. That the... the the, the life that you have today, you didn't see coming, good or bad, 10, 20 years ago. If you'd have told me when I was 25 that I'd pastor and plant a church in Loganville, Georgia, I went, no, of course not. See, we, we don't understand how life shifts. 
and how life changes. You're not where you thought you'd be financially. Some of you are better off than you thought you'd be. Some of you are not catching up yet. But you're, you're, things have changed. I, I, I told you a few weeks ago, I, if you'd, I just remember the day, I, I just want to make $20,000 a year. If I just make, we, won't, we won't yearn for anything. Well, guess what? That's changed, hasn't it? I'm telling you all this to tell you that everything around you changes. Our government changes. Your financial situation changes. Your health changes. I can't do what I could do 20 years ago physically. My brain hadn't figured that out yet, right? But I'm, I'm not the same man I was 20 years ago in, in many ways. So I told you that to tell you that even though things around you change and will continue to change, you don't know what the next 10 years is going to bring you. Maybe great blessings, maybe challenges and trials. I don't know. <laughs> Here's what I can tell you. The love of God will never change. Psalm 36 and 5, listen to this. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your steadfast love, O Lord. Lamentations, verse chapter 3. And oh, by the way, do you know what a lament is? It's a complaint. It's a, it's a whole book full of complaints. In, in the Bible, there's a whole book full of complaints. That's what it is. But God finds his way to, to, to show up in the middle of these complaints. L- listen to Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. And here's what you're going to ask me. Here's what I've asked myself. Well, what, I had somebody ask me this this, this past week. But I've let God down. I don't know how to process it because I've let God down. Ever felt that way? What if I let God down? Here's a newsflash. You were never holding him up to begin with. It's quite the other way around, isn't it? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. His mercies never cease. Your failure is not powerful enough to cause God to break one of his promises. Verse 23 says, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Maybe you're like me. And needed about every day. See, I, the more I study God's word, and as a pastor, as a preacher, part of my responsibility is to dive into this book and to uncover as much as I can, with as much accuracy as I can, the truths and the mysteries that are hidden inside that book. I don't know all there is. But I have been studying it a little while. Here's what I can tell you. There's nothing you can do to stop God's love for you. I was was probably a teenager when I heard this phrase the first time. And I, I don't know that I understood it then, but I understand it now. Somebody said, there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less 
And there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you anymore. He loves you, period. Isn't that good news? Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting is a very, very, very long time. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You know, I think it's interesting that that book is, uh, that verse we just read was written, uh, uh, you know, thousands of years before the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we learned that we're drawn to repentance, not by the anger of God, not by the furiosity of God, but we're drawn to repentance by the kindness of God and His great love for us. So what I want you to hear this morning is that God's love is never going to fail you. God's love is never going to stop. God's love is never going to cease. And when, when Jesus came to earth, the love of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. Say unchanging. God's love is an unchanging love. And the love of the Christmas child, the love of Christmas is a right here love. Ever heard of a long-distance relationship? Anybody ever been in one? So, I met my wife at a Church of God youth camp in Doraville, Georgia. And, y'all, I'm just going, y'all have heard me tell this story, so I'm not going to bore you, but when I fell, I fell hard. She was different than any other girls. She, the, the girl I met in Dorval that day was different than the Cobb County girls. I don't know what was different. It was something in the water was different, but she was different. I feel hard, and so we started dating. I live in Cobb County. She lives in Gwinnett County. It's a long way apart. So we talk every day on the phone, every day on the phone. But something was different when I got to get off work on, on Saturday and fly my blue Mustang all the way across that top end perimeter and, and walk in and, and, and she's, we're in the same room together. There's a difference between a, this kind of relationship and a, this kind of relationship, right? Here's what I need you to hear is that the love of God is a right here love. Listen to 1 John chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. What, is it, what does that word among mean? It means he's not some God off in some celestial place, you know, watching us like ants in a colony. He is here among us. He is in our space. He is in our place. He sent his one and only son into the world. Could he have, could he have done it? From I don't know. I don't know how that all works. But I know he made a choice to send his son into the world, into our world, that we might live through him. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So when we talk about the love of God, it's not, 
It's not some far off celestial, I'll, I'll experience it someday when I get to glory. No, it's a, it's a right here love. He's in every place. See, maybe, maybe you, you walked in this room and you felt burdened with disease or depression or frustration or, or, or all of those things that come with living on this planet. If He really loves us, He's in the middle of that. So you've had somebody that left you that didn't love you because you had to go through some stuff. And that's not the kind of love that God has. God loves us enough to walk with us through the darkest, deepest, hardest parts of our existence. He's in that place. He's in that place. His love is in that place. One of the most famous psalms that was ever written. The 23rd Psalm. Listen to this line from the 23rd Psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because thou art with me. He's in every place. And oh, by the way, he's in every time. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how. I, I was just in a in a difficult, challenging place one time in my life, and 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 the Spirit of the Lord just impressed this on my heart. So so real. I was facing a difficult week. And I, I, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, Son, when you, when you get there, you don't need to worry because I've already been there. And can I tell you what, what liberating presence that was to realize that regardless of what my Monday looks like, I don't need to worry about it because God's already been there. What, what, see, you're limited by time and space, and you're limited. You see, you see, you're on a linear plane. How many know that God's not limited by your linear plane? See, just because you hadn't been to Monday yet doesn't mean God hadn't been. Just because you hadn't been to that diagnosis yet doesn't mean God's not already there. And understands and, 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 and can love you through it. Some of you have lost loved ones recently. And that's hard. Aren't you glad that God was, when you got to that moment, God was already there? We, we used to say silly things in the, in the Pentecostal world. Oh, God's going to show up today. Oh, didn't God show up today? Can I tell you something? That's a stupid thing to say. You know why? Now, we showed up, but God was here when you got here. And when you go home, guess where he's going to be? He's going to be there. And when you, go to, when you get into Monday, guess what? He's there. His love is in every place, and it's in every time. He's present. I love this passage. I've read this. I bet I've read it a hundred times since we planted this church. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? David's asking this question. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my make, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. King James says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Any, everybody, anybody ever made your bed in hell? 
Where's God? He's there. So it's a right here love. It's an unchanging love. Write this down if you're taking notes. The love of Christmas, the love the Christmas child brought, what came down from heaven is a refining love. See, we don't like that one as much. We like the fact that his love never changes, and we like the fact that it's always with us and always among us. But Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. You mean, you mean God's going God's gonna to discipline me? You better hope he does. Let me. Anybody ever been in a restaurant? Well, let, me, let me ask it this way. Any, any, uh, any servers in the room? You, you served at a restaurant, like waited tables. Anybody? So, so let me ask you a question. If, if there were... Uh, with a family, and let's say there was three children under eight years old, and mom and dad were just not even paying attention. What was that station going to look like when you got done, when they got done? You're going to have to bring in a hazmat team to, to clean that mess up, aren't you? Did, have you ever seen children just running loose in Walmart, and parents are just oblivious, maybe lost on their cell phone, just letting them tear stuff off the walls and was your thought ever, man, those are really loving parents? No, that's not your thought, is it? Now, listen, kids are going to be kids, right? Right, right, right. So I'm not, I'm not listen, my two pull plenty of stuff off the walls. If I'm wrong... And he knows it, which he does, right? The most unloving thing he could do is to let me get comfortable in my wrongness. And so sometimes God's going to bring discipline and rebuke. And sometimes it's painful. But it's always loving. That's why we say it's okay to not be okay. But not okay to stay that way. Because God's got better things for you, right? Than to let you just get comfortable. Listen, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know how to say this um, apart from just saying it. If you're living in sin, God's not going to leave you alone. If you're living in sin, can I, I, I'll tell you how I've prayed for... I ain't mentioned any names, but I've, how I've prayed for people before. God, don't let them sleep. Harass them until they turn their life to you. And because God loves us deeply, listen, he, and one of his children are, are walking off the path. I heard this story. I don't know if it's true, but it ought to be. They say that the shepherds, when they would have an unruly lamb, that if, if they couldn't keep this one particular sheep in the fold, that they would actually break the, the, shep, the sheep's leg. And then have to, the, the shepherd would have to carry it on his shoulders and, until the, the, the sheep learned to stay in the fold. Now, I don't know if that's true, but man, I, I don't... I, have you ever been in a place where you just have 
have gone the wrong path, and God let something happen to get your attention. Well, did he do that because he hated you? No, he did that because he loved you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you want to make your life easier, recognize your wrongness. You know, we hear things like, well, it's, somebody fell into sin. Well, nobody falls into sin. We, we typically step right in it, don't we? We know what we're doing. So it's a, refi- a refining love. Let's keep going. Number four. The love of Christmas, the love that came down with the Christ child, is an absolute love. I read this a little while ago, but I'm going to read it again. Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his lo- own love for us in this. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You, absolute love is when I extend love not expecting anything in return. And that's the kind of love that God showed us. My brother and I were having a talk. We started, we started uh, reminiscing about Christmases from our childhood. Now I remember, you know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and folks told me it was going to be like this, and I didn't pay attention. They said, once you have kids, man, those calendar pages start flying. You know, it, it blows my mind to, to think I have, a, you know, two kids, all, you know, almost in their 30s, which is incredible. And I think about the love that I have for my children, my grandchildren, my daughters-in-law. And and I asked myself this question as I was putting this message together. What, what Dwayne, would you do as as a father if they needed you to get to them? I'd die to get to them if they needed me. I'd sell everything I had if they needed something. And I can say that with conviction. And I'm a broken human man. Imagine what a perfect, loving father would do to get to you. Better yet, remember what he did to get to you. He sent his only son. His name is Jesus. There is no greater expression of love that has ever been accomplished than that act where God sent his son into the world while we were still sinners. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) The word became flesh The Word, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. (laughs) 
what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for, all, for us. Can anything, please hear this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God's love for us is absolute. It is refining. It is right here. And it is unchanging. And here's the challenge for us all. The love of Christmas. The love that came from heaven on Christmas Day is an imitable love. What does that mean? I tried to find another word, but that's, it, that's the right word. Imitable love. Here's what it means. Something that can be imitated, duplicated, or imaged. Every, if you've got a bulletin, I want you to hold it up in your hand. Hold it up where everybody can see. So, do you, do you know those bulletins? Are exact, Im if you put, place one beside somebody sitting beside you, it looks exactly like that. But guess how many images I sent to that printer? One. I sent one image to that printer, and now you all have an exact image duplication, an exact image of the one image that I sent to the printer. Now, there are things about God that you can, you can never duplicate. You can't duplicate His perfection. You can't duplicate the fact that He is in all places at all times. You can't duplicate the truth that He knows all and is all. But you can image His love. 
to a world. In fact, he chose you to be an extension of his love to this world. And that sometimes is difficult. Because God's going to ask you to love somebody that's difficult to love. He's going to ask you to touch somebody that's difficult to touch. He's going to ask you to be constant and unchanging. He's going to ask you to be to this world what he was to you. We said that God's love is an unchanging love. Well, Dwayne, I'm not God. No, but you can be constant. You can be stable. You can be secure in your love for others. We said that God's love was a, a right here love, a right now love. Dwayne, I can't be everywhere at the same time. No, but you can be present. How many of you know, have you ever... Have you ever been through a difficult time? Maybe you were, you were sick or maybe you had a loved one that was in the hospital and, and somebody just came and sat in a room with you. Didn't have a lot of words, but they just sat with you. How does that feel? It's just... How, how many know that just your presence speaks volumes? Yeah. You can do that. You can be the image of Christ. Oh, by the way... Weren't we created in the image of God? Well, Dwayne, we, we talked about how God's love was, was going to refine us. Is that my job? You know what you can do? You can help people be better. Just because, just because you love somebody doesn't mean you've got to celebrate their sin. Is that loving? No, it's not loving. Somebody's going down a bad path. Is it loving to just let them go? Of course not. Maybe. If, if we're called to love absolutely, that means that, that you love unconditionally. That, that you love even if you don't get it back. See, that, I, I think human love is exactly that. I love you as long as you're returning something. I love you as long as I'm getting something back. I'll, I'll extend my love as long as I'm getting a return on my investment. And I'm going to tell you that's not Christ's love. Christ's love says I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to love you even if you can't love me back, even if you don't love me back, even if you refuse to love me back. I'm going to love you. And that's hard. And you can only do it when you have experienced the love of Christ. Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth He's got his disciples around him. And I choose to believe, listen, and, and, and there will be denominations and pastors that would argue with this, but I choose to believe that what he spoke to his disciples in, in that moment he has, is speaking to us 2,000 years later. So the truths that he spoke to the disciples and the commandments that he gave to the disciples that were with him physically, I believe that he, he's telling us 2,000 years later. And here's what he said. He told them, I'm going to give you a brand new commandment. And the commandment was in one way, one that they've heard all of their lives. These were all Jewish men that had grown up hearing 
the, the, the words of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, they were... <coughs> Y'all excuse me. But here's what Jesus said to them in John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. That wasn't a new commandment. Love each other was not a new commandment. They had, they had seen that over and over again. Here's the new part. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. I want you to take this that I've shown you for this 33 years of how I've loved people and taken care of Even when they wanted to spit in my face, I love them. And you do the same. And he goes on to say, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Listen, you're not going to prove to the world that you love Jesus by how much money you give to the church. Don't stop, but that's not how you're going to prove you know how we're going to prove to the world that we're the disciples of Christ? It's how we treat each other. How we treat people who aren't, aren't going to love us back. So the challenge for our church, the challenge for you this Christmas season, he just gave it to you. Just as God has loved us, let's love others. Amen? Matthew, we come. So here's how I think I would like to close today's, our time together. You know, I, I don't, I guess maybe I should just confess and say sometimes I don't love like Jesus. Sometimes I, I get irritated, and I get mad, and I get, I don't know, I get frustrated with people who don't do what I think they need to do. So I want God to do a work in my heart today, and maybe you, you could say the same. God, would you help me love people like you love people? Would you help me extend the love that you've shown me to a world that so desperately needs something that's unchanging and ever-present? God, would you help me to love people even when they're not going to love me back? Y'all, that's a hard one. It's easy to say in here, but it's hard. And I, I don't know about you, but I need the presence of God and I need the Holy Spirit to help me do that. I wonder, wonder how our community would be, be different Christmas of 2024 if just our church took serious this commandment to love others just like Christ loved us to accept that new commandment and take the unchangeable powerful refining absolute love of God to a lost and dying world
the truth is you can't take it unless you've received it. So this morning, I want you to pray in one of two ways. And I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you're here and you say, Dwayne, I, I need to receive God's love. My challenge for you would just be to open your heart and ask Jesus to fill the empty place so you can experience His love. Or maybe you would say, Dwayne, I, I need to be hmm, a greater extension of God's love, of the love that came down on Christmas. Maybe I need to learn to love others unconditionally and unchanging. Maybe there's people in my life that I need to help do better. And that's not an arrogant, judgmental do better, but I, I can be an example and a light to help someone follow the path that Christ has laid out for them. I hope you're like, like I am this morning and challenged to love this world the way Christ has called us to love. To experience His love. And then extend it to a world that so desperately needs it. Can we pray to that end? Will you pray with me now? Father, before we ask anything of you this morning, we thank you for the love that came down on Christmas. That when Jesus came into this world and dwelt among us, we had an incredible opportunity to experience the perfect love of heaven. So God, thank you for that thank you that each one of us in this room and watching online have experienced the perfect love of God. And while we were still sinners, God extended His love for us by sending His Son. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son for all that would believe could have eternal life. So God, before we ask anything of you, we're just so thankful for that love that never changes. God, even though that we change, we're not constant. And sometimes we're not stable. Thank you for a love that is. Thank you for those moments, God, when you've had to refine us, when you lovingly disciplined us to draw us back from a bad path to draw us into a closer walk with you God sometimes you've done that in a, in a sermon sometimes you've done it in a song sometimes you've done it in a scripture sometimes you've done it through another human being that just spoke words of truth into our life and we thank you for those times when you've refined us molded us, shaped us Now, God, I ask that you would help us all to be an extension 
of that perfect love to a world that so desperately needs it. Mm. God, would you put someone in each of our paths someone that desperately needs an extension of the love of God. Maybe we extend your love through a cup of coffee or a lunch, kind word. God, you put somebody in our path this week, soon, Give us an opportunity to express your love and extend your love to be the image of your love to this world, to this community, to our families. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you just take a moment and just worship the Lord for his great love for us? Thank you, Jesus. you. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you give the Lord praise? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask, if you can, sort of stick around and let's get this place turned around. I, I think uh, if, if you look at Tim, he's going to be giving us some direction. Matthew Robertson will be giving us some direction about how to get this done in a timely fashion. God bless y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.